You're listening to City Beat, a partnership between Riverwest Radio and online daily urbanmilwaukee.com. We have two guests today. First up is Montavious Jones, who joins us via phone to discuss why he quit his cushy government job in favor of world traveling. Second, we'll talk with Milwaukee County Historical Society Executive Director Maine McCulley about what to expect from the inaugural Milwaukee Museum Week. In between, we'll touch on some of the biggest stories on urban Milwaukee in the past week. Don't touch that dial. Montavious Jones is a Marquette grad who's worked at the city of Milwaukee since 2016. He's about to set off on a bit of a world adventure, and we're curious to learn what he's up to. He's been, a, I guess, a loyal reader, I'll out you as that, Montavious, of UrbanMilwaukee.com. But more than that, you're an active proponent of better cities. Tell us about that. How do you decide to go on this big journey and maybe start with what you've been doing for the last couple of years? Right. Um, well, one, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate the opportunity to come talk about what I've got coming up pretty soon. Um, so recently decided that I'd be undertaking this this world trip um, over the next six months at least, South America, most some Europe. Um, I decided uh, a few months ago that, you know, I was dissatisfied with what I was seeing in Milwaukee. Um, I've been here my whole life, and I've seen it um, change a lot, um, but I've also seen that we are really behind as far as um, initiatives that other cities are doing, um, specifically around public transportation, biking, public space, and um, quality, dense, mixed-use neighborhoods where people can um, not have to drive everywhere and walk to their grocery store, walk to their kids' daycare. Um, and I've, over the years, been looking at other cities and seeing what they're doing, so finally decided I wanted to do something about it. So I will be documenting my travels, while I'm gone, um, mainly interviewing everyday people and um, finding out their why. Why do they enjoy having a quality and robust transportation system in their neighborhood? Why do they enjoy going to the great public park that's down the street from their house? Um, what is it that makes their city great? In hopes that I would bring that knowledge back here to Milwaukee and you know open up people's eyes to what other cities are doing, what we can be doing to make our, ourselves a truly world-class city. Well, let's take a step back. How did you get interested in this in the first place? Right. So I went to, to Marquette where I studied commercial real estate. Um, and then I worked for a number of bids, business improvement districts throughout the city over the last couple of years. Um, and now I work for city government, um, kind of in a similar role, working with those business improvement districts. And for the audience that doesn't know, can you explain what a bid is and what they do? For sure. Um, a business improvement district is a quasi-governmental agency tasked with um, improving their district. So it's usually a commercial strip, um, sometimes a whole area where the, the board that um, decides how to spend the money that they raise from property owners, they decide how to spend the money on things like marketing, business development and recruitment, sometimes real estate development, branding their neighborhoods, streetscape improvements, and my office here at the city overseas all those bids throughout the city. Um, so what I've seen over the last few years after going to school here and working at the city is, you know, a lot of inside insider knowledge to how things work at the city and why things don't get done the way um, a lot of people think they should, specifically me, um, as far as um, those different categories, all the 
biking, public transportation, um, quality public space, and dense mixed-use neighborhoods. Can you name a couple things off the top of your head that you think Milwaukee could be doing better at? I, I'm sure you could go on for hours, but while we have you for about 10 minutes, what are two or three things that the city could really improve on that you think are low-hanging fruit? Right. So I am on the biking pedestrian task force here at the city. It's um, a body made up of a number of different civic groups here, um, health and education advocates, as well as um, city employees. And our task is to help implement the pedestrian plan and biking plan that the city has to help improve um, quality of life for people walking, quality of life for people who choose to bike around the city. And through my work with that, I've seen just a lot of room for improvement for um, bike infrastructure, um, bikers' rights, um, quality spaces for bike storage. And then I go to other cities and I see that they're already doing it and it's kind of just a way of life for us here. You kind of have to fight for those things, which other people take for granted. You're going to be, it sounds like, going internationally, but are there cities even in the Midwest or in the United States that do a good job at this that Milwaukee should be looking at? Right. I think you don't have to look too far to um, find cities right here that, that are doing those things. If you look at up in Minnesota, Minneapolis, St. Paul area, they have a great biking culture. Um, every year they're adding more and more protected bike lanes. If you go down to Chicago, they're coming around to realizing that protected bike lanes are the way to go. If you look at further outside in the Midwest, um, Seattle does a great job, Portland. Um, so other cities are, are doing it. I, I think it just takes uh, opening people's eyes and realizing why the people who actually use it um, enjoy it. So it's not just a policy debate or, or a funding debate. It's about how people truly use it and what benefit it gives their lives. And where are you headed first on your journey? So the first stop is Guatemala. I'll be there for two or three weeks, and then I'll be making my way down to Colombia for the, the long stay, which um, I plan to be there for two or three months. And so in Guatemala, are you going to try and find a job there, or that's just kind of a getting your feet wet, getting acclimated, and then you'll find the job in Colombia? Exactly. So um, the first two or three weeks in Guatemala, just to get my feet wet, it's my first time traveling alone. So um, I'll, I'll be taking part of the Spanish learning program down in Guatemala for two weeks and then wandering off my own to a, a lake area with a few towns around it and just to get my, my feet wet for the first leg of the trip. And then I'll make my way down to Colombia for the, the long stay. And how, when you say a long stay, what is a long stay? Uh, two to three months. Um, so the plan is to um, visit four to five countries um, and cities that I think are doing uh, really great things about around those quality of life improvements I'm looking to capture um, and staying in those places for two or three months each. And what is the thing uh, you hit on, you're going to get some Spanish education right off the bat. What scares you the most of this, about this journey? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think what's um, maybe not so much scares me, it's more of a, um, a concern is that um, the message, um, it won't immediately connect with um, people back here. You know, we're so um, so set in our ways, um, especially here in Milwaukee. We're a very conservative city. So I, I think, you know, it'll be years and years and maybe not even my own generation or lifetime that I'll truly see the, the city that I'm looking uh, to, to see when I come back and bring back those experiences. So that's really my, my biggest fear is that it, it'll take a long time to, to get where I think we could be as a city, which is a world-class city. 
And so when you come back, what do you envision your role being? Are you going to try and get your existing job back? Or are you looking for something totally different? You know, um, much like the, the trip, that's still up in the air. So the trip, I really don't know where I'll be going yet. I figured I'm going to plan it out as I go. So I don't have anything set in stone, and it's kind of similar when I get back. I'll be looking to come back here in Milwaukee, but what I'll be doing or when that'll be, I'm not quite sure yet. Um, so I would like to do something in real estate development. Um, my background's in real estate. Um, so I hope to bring back that knowledge and experience and help that influence my work around um, real estate development and urban planning. And with that, when you're in Columbia, is there something... Is there something in particular in terms of a specific project? We know Columbia has a big BRT system in one of their cities. Is there something in particular you really can't wait to check out firsthand? Right, um, exactly. It's the BRT system in, in Bogota, Columbia, that I'm really interested in, in learning about. Um, BRT system is um, bus rapid transit, where buses, modified buses, they get dedicated lane and um, different infrastructure improvements to help them operate more closely to um, a light rail system than a bus system that mixes with um, car traffic. So I'll be studying that um, as well as going to Medellin, Colombia. For those people who don't know or haven't heard much about Medellin outside of Pablo Escobar, it's a really up-and-coming city. They've made um, great strides to drastically reduce the crime. And one of the things that really got that going is in in the 1990s, they started a metro system. So now they have a light rail system that runs through the city, and people credit that with the transformation of the city. So now it's a kind of a real big tourist place, um, innovation hub. Um, I think last year, Urban Land Institute named it one of the most innovative cities in the world. So I'll be going there as well to study their light rail transportation system. All right. And when does this journey all kick off? When do you head off to Guatemala? I head out to Guatemala at the end of February, February 24th to be exact. Um, I'll be leaving Milwaukee February 8th, though, um, to go visit family um, around here in the the Midwest. But outside of that, um, I'm excited about this journey. Um, I think it'll be great. I I hope the message connects with whoever's going to sign up and follow my journey. And if people want to follow your journey, where can they follow you at? For sure. um, The easiest step would be to sign up for my e-newsletter that'll be going out when the website's up. Um, the website is here, this is why, H-E-R-E, this is why.com. And you can sign up on there, and I'll let you know when the website's fully up and running, which will kick off probably when I leave Milwaukee. All right. Well, we'll post that and more on the show notes for this show. So it'll be on urbanmilwaukee.com. Uh, attached to a post called City Beat. So, Montavious, thanks for joining us. Good luck. We look forward to checking in with you as your journey evolves. All right. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Thank you. Next up, we're going to touch on a couple different stories that have uh, drawn particular attention on Urban Milwaukee this week. Uh, one was a big boom, and one something. One is something that's going to create a lot of big banging downtown. And first up, we'll touch on Joshua Jeffers' proposal for the Broadway Connection office building. You can read about this on Urban Milwaukee. We've been covering it for a number of months now, but our latest stories are up. There was one on Sunday, and then again we published something Tuesday morning. 
but Eyes on Milwaukee, Jeffers and Largest Broadway Connection Building. This story really picked up speed in December when Josh Jeffers announced that Hush Blackwell, a Milwaukee law firm, would be anchoring his nine-story office building to be built at the corner of Michigan and Clybourne. Jeffers, as I think we've talked about even on this program before in its short existence, has developed a number of buildings in Milwaukee, and more importantly, he's redeveloped a number of downtown buildings, including the adjacent Mitchell and Mackey buildings, which people would probably best know for the Grain Exchange uh, event space. He's added apartments to that space, or that building. He's redeveloped the office space within it to truly be a wonderful spot. And he's maintained the existing first floor tenants, including the iconic Swinging Door Restaurant, which is the site of Milwaukee's first telegraph line, came into that building. And the bike messengers still operate out of that today. But the big news this week is that Jeffers has expanded his new nine-story building, which will break around in April, to 11 stories. He's bullish on the interest he's seen from other office tenants. So this building, which will be next to the new Homewood Suites button block, which is on Water and Clybourne, uh, his building over on Broadway and Clybourne will have 11 stories now, so it'll be the tallest thing on the block. It features a mix of kind of a granite facade with a glassy metal facade. It's um, attempting to be a mix of old and new, and the reason it's trying to do that with such a delicate balance isn't just Joshua Jeffers' personal interest, but it fits within the city's east side commercial historic district. So the city's historic review body actually gets oversight of the project. There's been a bunch of interesting discussions, including on Monday of this week, the 14th, Historic Preservation Commission staffer Tim Askin actually recommended that from a historical standpoint, Jeffers shouldn't be adding these floors. He should maintain the building's height at nine stories so that it's more in line with the existing buildings. Uh, Askin was overruled by the Historic Preservation Board, uh, which decided to allow Jeffers to build the bigger building. And now Jeffers is full speed ahead. He has his tenant. He can start construction in April, and the project will be finished in late 2020. If you want to see more on that, including all the renderings, Go to urbanmilwaukee.com, Eyes on Milwaukee, Jeffers and Large's Broadway Connection Building. Next up, I want to talk about a visit by Governor Tony Evers to Milwaukee. He came to the Greater Milwaukee Committee on Monday afternoon to kind of sell his vision to the city, but he was selling it to what's historically probably a pretty pro-Republican crowd, and that is the Greater Milwaukee Committee has largely been made up of business leaders for some time now. And business leaders were, of course, a big fan of Governor Walker and his open-for-business mantra. Evers, though, uh, didn't waste any time telling him that he's going to operate a pro-business administration as well, but one that cares about the people of Wisconsin. He walked through a number of key things that he wants to implement in his budget address. One of those will be uh, making sure that education is better funded. Another will be ensuring that there's criminal justice reform. He expects to find uh, common ground with the Republicans on this that control the legislature. Other issues that he has on the docket, and he'll be addressing these in his budget that comes out in February, and he'll also deliver a state of the state speech next week in the early early next week, early January. I'm trying to do math on the radio. Terrible idea, as always. I believe January 22nd is the date. All this and more is buried in the article Eyes on Milwaukee, Evers sells vision to local leaders. Interesting things about there, his stance on illegal immigrants and their ability to access driver's licenses in Wisconsin and to pay in-state tuition. Because as he noted, he thinks uh, the majority of cows in Wisconsin are milked by people of Latino heritage. And that is a group that has been unfairly impacted, I guess, by different federal and state policies. He hopes to make them inclusive citizens of the state with giving them different rights. A lot on that and more in that article.
The other thing that happened this weekend was a big boom downtown. Eyes on Milwaukee watched the Bradley Center roof drop. We took a quick video of it. The roof dropped when it was ready to go, I guess, because the Bradley Center is coming down. The Bucks have to demolish the arena as part of their work with developing the new Fiserv Forum. They were given the arena or given the Bradley Center by the state, but with the deadline of one year from the arena's opening, so that'd be middle of August 2019, the Bradley Center has to be gone. And it's on schedule, it will be, but the most visible aspect of that to date has been the roof demolition. And what they did there is not drop a big anvil on it and try and knock it down, but uh, load in a number of chargers inside. So the roof, if you've been inside the Bradley Center and you looked up, you saw this large cavernous structure and a lot of steel beams crisscrossing the building. Well, charges were set on each of those uh, directional charges or shape charges, as they're called. They were then discharged at around 9 a.m. Sunday morning, creating quite the loud bang downtown and then a dust cloud because the minute the roof was no longer supported by that steel support structure, it fell down into the bowl of the arena. Now, as different aerial photos confirm and then uh, Habitat for Humanity's Restore um, shops have confirmed, there's not any seats left in the Bradley Center Everything that could be salvaged has been removed. Lockers have gone different places. Seats have gone different places. A lot of the seats were actually recycled because they couldn't find commercial uses for them. It's actually pretty hard to find reuse options for seats because they come in long rows. You can't just necessarily just prop up one. And other things like the granite that actually makes up the building will now be ground up as the building's dismantled at a site at First and Beecher and used for different road projects by Michaels Corp. So in total, the Bucks, who are working through contractor Hunzinger and demolition specialist Viet and company, will recycle up to 90% of the building, recycle or reuse. So it's something we're keeping our eyes on. Interesting to see what happens there uh, because the building now doesn't have a roof. So it's open to the elements, but there's not much left inside of it but concrete. We'll be watching it come down. You can look forward to future coverage of that in our Friday Photos segment or column on Urban Milwaukee. And then while we wait for a call from our guest, we'll jump right into discussing Milwaukee Museum Week in just a moment. Sounds like we're having some technical difficulties, a first for everything on the show. Uh, we unfortunately aren't going to be able to have Mame join us on the show this week, but next week, January 21st through 27th, is the inaugural Milwaukee Museum Week. You can learn a lot more about this at mkemuseumweek.org or on urbanmilwaukee.com under Check Out Milwaukee Museum Week, a broad partnership between 17 of the city's leading cultural institutions, 
is bringing together a week of over 100 events, including discounted admission, different speeches, including historian John Gerda, and behind-the-scenes tours. A lot to see there. Urban Milwaukee writer Carl Bear, who recently published a book on Milwaukee's Irish history, will be speaking at the Groman Museum. There's a long list, 17 institutions, ranging from everything from the Milwaukee Art Museum down to the Paps Mansion, the North Point Lighthouse, so big and small. Thanks, everyone, for listening this week. 